You're listening to the Forest School Podcast with Lewis Ames and Gemma Sutherden. And a massive thanks to our current patrons, Simon Kenny, Joe H, Bronus Steed, Jude Vincent and Chrissy McKeevoy. Thank you so much, guys. It really does mean a lot. Yeah, start. Start with Chris. Highly professional. Throwing them away now. Even more professional. <laughs> it's not a euphemism. She has actually just thrown crisps. They're about a metre and a half away on the floor. That's far enough away that I can't absentmindedly eat more of them, though. Oh, I see. Yeah? That's not what it's about. Yeah. Cool. Okay. We went to the... We saw each other at the Oak... I keep calling it an Oak something, and that's not the right one. The what oak is it? The Oak Fair. King's Stag in Dorset. Yeah. Yeah. In wait, it's got a funnier name than that though. It's in like Gaylord. Stock Stockton Gaylord. Stock Stockton Gaylord. There you go. Because people like people like funny English names. They do. Stockton Gaylord. Not not far from Shitterton. Gaylord. I think it's Gaylord. Okay. I don't know. Anyway. That's even better. Anyway. Yeah. Did you did you like the Oak Fair? I. What did you like about the Oak what Fair? What did I like about the Oak Fair? I liked that it was... Uh, oh, oh, so... Do you want to stop while that really noisy air vehicle goes over? What did you like about the Oak Fair? What did I like about the Oak Fair? I liked that... You know you can tell a lot about a festival, but like a... Well, it wasn't okay. a fest- an event by doing a bit of people watching mm. and like that can make you feel very comfortable or make you feel like out of place. Um, and what I did think was that there were lots of people, lots of groups, mm-hmm. where there was two generations of slightly alternative people. Mm. So it was like alternative adults with their alternative parents or alternative mm. kids with their uh, alternative parents with their alternative mm. young children. And I mean that in the sense of like people who are a bit outdoorsy, mm-hmm. people who could identify some trees, could, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. know a bit about wood carving it so it was like it wasn't people with like blue mohawks and yes. stuff but it was Although there were some people like that yes there was some cool hair there were lots of dogs and yeah. i saw a minor celebrity i saw, i don't know his real name i is. know we met each other <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. i met your mum you met my mum met your mum mate um <laughs> You met my mum and I saw, I don't know what his real name is, but his like Instagram thing is like Green Indie. He is, uh, he's on Springwatch sometimes doing little films about goshawks. And he was there watching the falconry display. I was like, I knew that guy. The falconry display that couldn't get their bird out of the tree. Um, I think I, no, they got their bird out of the tree. Maybe we saw different times. Uh, I didn't, I didn't want to see it, but we walked past while the guy was clearly doing that thing of like, we realised this as we, as we were driving home. I was debriefing with my wife and going, you can't move on, can you? You can't go, I'll leave that bird up in the tree. It's mm. not coming back. We'll get on with one of the other ones. He's got mm. a focus on that. But there's maybe a couple of hundred people mm. watching him. And he was there going, come on, come on now. Come, <laughs> come on. Stop. If you could come back now, yeah. it would be great. In this, I don't know what bird of prey it was, but it didn't want to come back yeah. at all. And it was just quite entertaining seeing him Awkward. You know. yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, what did you? What did I like? I liked the um, the like living history people. So there was yes. like an ancient Wessex group and then a medieval group, um, just with little stalls doing things. Mm. You know, and they weren't all selling stuff either. Some like the nice. medieval people were yeah. just like Get this. Stuff. Yeah. I spoke to a nice guy who was a scrivener, and I was like, "Aha! My maiden name is Scriven. I was Gemma Scriven, so I was." What's, you scri- know. what's a scrivener? So a scrivener is when, in times when people couldn't read and write, or not everyone could read and write, they would go travel around, and you would pay them to read and write stuff for you. So if you had a document they wanted read to you, you could do that, and they, you know, they would you would dictate and they would write. And he had made a really, he like had some really weird kind of artifacts on his stool, including a cup that was made out of an old um, horn of a cow. Oh. And he said you heat it in boiling water and then you can bend it into different shapes. And that's cool. And I was like, talking to those kind of people and going, oh, what are, you, what are you doing? And, you know, a person going, well, I'm making Viking style jewellery out of silver wire. And it's a bit like French knitting. And this is how you do it. All those kind of things. It's like, mm. oh, nice. Yeah, it's very, uh, 
uh, impressive. So I don't want to say awe-inspiring. That's quite a big word, but like it is impressive seeing like, oh right, this is what people did, and yeah, um, and for lots of it as well. That sort of that. So there was part of it was more Bronze Agey stuff mm-hmm. and the medieval one, but it's like actually, and we've talked about this in the countryside. Other than clothing changing, a lot of those jobs went on until late into the Industrial Revolution. Yes. You know, somebody maybe not. Scrivening, yeah. but um, or, or maybe so, or maybe so. But you know that idea of like, okay, this is like wool spinning by mm. hand, and and that goes for yeah from the eleven hundreds or you know the eight yeah. hundreds up to the eighteen hundreds. Yeah, People yeah. are still doing it in some yeah. places, and yeah, it's amazing to think that stuff just mm. lasted and lasted and lasted. Mm. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. Cool. Okay, so you sent. No, you sent. No, I sent. No, you. No, you did. I did. But I. <clears throat> was it a sa- It wasn't Sage. Yeah. It's Sage. It's you a have Sage. The title I will of the article. find it right now. So uh, are we... It's free. It's not behind a paywall. So that's good. So it's a Sage journal. It's the Journal of Early Childhood Research, which. May I just say at this point, I'm very interested in research, like proper valid authentic relevant research into forest school right so much of it is early childhood and then i'm like oh, i'm less interested now i want i want it cross childhood why does it why yeah you know, it's probably because most forest school is happening in early childhood um still at the moment but i am intrigued and interested to read more research that is with um and, and you know and it's because it's often done in schools or nursery settings and stuff yeah. It's just, it's not cross age. Yeah. It's like, even if it is with older children, if it's like upper primary school or whatever, like this is a study of year six pupils and how they responded to forest school at this time in their lives. They're all the same age and that's boring. Anyway, <laughs> the, it is, the title of it is, Oh no, the stick keeps falling. An analytical framework for conceptualising young children's interactions during free play in a woodland setting by Cheryl Ellis, Gary Beauchamp, Sean Sawa and some more authors, which uh, there's like loads more. So it's a group of uh, authors and it was published in January of this year. Of this year. 2021. Yeah. So you can read it and it's... And it's, it's not very long. It's so not it's very long. And then it does link to lots of other articles, which mm. I then went down a bit of a rabbit hole and sent you the link to another one, yes. which they reference all about affordances, which yes. I've just read the beginning of and then you've read the whole I've thing. Read the whole of that one. But we've both read the whole of this uh, yeah. Sage one. So this Sage one, just yeah. if you had to sum it up in like the shortest way, is probably just, not just, they gave kids the option of wearing glasses with cameras in and then they looked at and the footage to mm. see what's going on and they sorted it by interactions. Mm. And they sorted it by interactions with this and interactions with that and interactions of this type. Um, I thought it was quite interesting towards they mentioned it i think quite late in the article um this idea that they got the video footage and obviously there was absolutely loads of it i can't remember how many weeks they did it over seven um seven weeks and they had lots of cameras um that the kids could wear or or could take off whenever they were done yeah interesting but they said they got i think it says three or four researchers to transcribe what was happening individually yeah because when i was reading the rest of the article I was oh yeah if you and I sat together and watched some footage we would like bounce off each other and we would uh like influence each other I don't mean that in a bad way I mean like we would uh, so subjective isn't it yeah but we would sort of congregate on an idea and then you'd get into a framework and then you go and there's something quite uh rare I think about having a piece of uh, some examples of play looked at independently by different people mm-hmm. um it occurred to me that that's something that not often happens normally it's like i am the one leader and i watch yeah. that play or it's me and my assistant well, yeah. and we talk to each other beforehand yeah and having it as a completely clean slate of like you're just watching the video yeah well that's what i mean about yeah. like valid and authentic research because mm-hmm. i still feel like i'm sure there's loads being done but so much of the stuff that like uh, you know sort of promotes forest school is just like 
anecdotal and very personal and just people going oh but it's just great for kids to be out in nature it's really you know mm. child-led learning is the way but actually they're like how a how do you do this kind of social research it's really like to choose that methodology like the whole camera thing in the glasses is you know really interesting and I've seen some other um examples of stuff being done about um like gaze and eye line mm-hmm. sight lines similar to this and um and maybe even like heart rate and things like that so getting kids to yeah, wear like yeah. monitors and so you're getting into that real realms of the scientific rather than just the, like, the emotive and the it's anecdotal very, realm it's very western isn't it to be like western science of like we can isolate this and we can isolate this and we can pick this down and like mm. it's not a holistic view of it it is a very but don't you think that there is a place for that kind of evidence to back up yeah, the kind yeah. of holistic side of things rather than yeah. just, you know, I don't know. I kind of feel like... I wasn't saying it was a bad thing. I was just saying right. it is an example of stripping yeah. away bits and stripping away bits. Yeah, and that it, stripping away it happens here because not only did they get the um, researchers to individually um, transcribe the video, they did it first with the sound completely muted. So they were transcribing mm. the movements and gestures of the children first without any sound... Yeah. Um, allocated and then again with the uh, talking on it which is very interesting yeah so I think that's one thing to say isn't it so have you got the list of the different types of interactions yes, there I have it right here could you read that because then that gives you quite a framework of like what they're looking at yeah so um, the analysis identified six key themes and they've said that they're not hierarchical or discrete but the interactions that they've uh, sort of put into categories are the interactions with environment with self with affordances with peers with adults and with time Mm. Um, and then they kind of discuss those elements through the article Um, just can we pick up on like affordances first of all because people might not be familiar with that term and um, the other article that I read the beginning of and you read the whole of was sort of really more about affordances yeah. wasn't it so yeah. those people who kind of know about playwork and stuff will have probably heard that term in terms of it being what an object or a thing can offer in terms of how it can be used so very relevant to play in terms of like oh this stick can be a thing for hitting things with or it mm-hmm. can be a thing for waving in the air and making a sound or it can be you know those kind of things or yeah this uh, low-hanging branch, the affordance of it, or I can swing from it, or I can climb on it, or I can hug Mm. it, or... Find out about CPD courses at childrenoftheforest.com. Check out the podcast links for more details. But there was an interesting bit in this Sage article um, about affordances and about affordances changing with a singular object. Did you pick up on that bit in the sage one or in in the other one in the sage one there was a bit that was like um a single environment or object will present different affordances as the child ages or it was like you know ages or becomes more familiar or whatever yeah which is something i had not necessarily uh conceptualized before i probably had thought about it but not in such a uh specific way Mm -hmm. so that idea that like and I think this is true. Lots of adults will like look at a play space and this is probably how you design a like early years classroom. You'd go, there's a writing area. There's the um, climbing wall. This, this is all loose parts. So that, that can be, I don't know, tower building or whatever or whatever. Um, but saying that like, if the children can't see that resource as tower building, mm-hmm. then it's not there. The affordance isn't available. It, it, it doesn't yeah. exist. So you cut So, or like, uh, you know, tree it's like climbing is a really good example of like if you asked someone on their first day in our woods mm. what climbing affordances are there, you're going to get a very different answer from once they've been there for a year, oh, and yeah. then you say what climbing affordances are there, and they'll go, you can literally climb ever everything, including Lewis and Gemma. Sometimes <laughs> you can just climb and climb, you know. Um, and I don't. It, it's just very interesting to get into that mindset of like. Just because you can see that it has the potential to do or be something doesn't mean that that is an option present in another person's mind or yeah. even, you know, it doesn't exist for them. Yeah. Um, which is massive. It is massive. It is massive. And 
they definitely the, the interactions with time thing. Mm. No, that mentions familiarity. Yeah, I found really interesting that they kind of teased that out as a specific interaction. It kind of blew my mm. mind a little bit. Um, and they kind of had the ones that were like obvious and things that we've noticed, but it's always nice to have it kind of backed up by like research yeah. where they've gone through hours of footage and actually, you know, in a more rigorous way defined it. Um, which was over the seven weeks, the children moved further and further away from the central log circle mm-hmm. and explored more of the more of the. Which again, space. everybody would know, yeah. and everybody would instinctively go, "Oh yeah, that's what happens over time." But how many of us have actually made a note and gone, "Oh, exactly. the furthest child went two point five meters exactly. away and did this and exactly. did this"? And, um, yeah, and then um, they noticed that also, that, as you said, they kind of had longer to explore the affordances, yeah. so that you know as you say like the stick wasn't just the thing for hitting something with it then became the, you know, the bouncing on the branch and then mm. you could also do this and then you could also do this and it was like one affordance kind of links to leads to another um yeah and the familiar familiarity and the level of nature connection that they talk about so they were talking about sticks being used like progressively yep. more as the sessions went on yeah. um so i guess you are yeah seeing more and more affordance within a similar type of object over time yeah, that was one where the t- the the categories that they had picked, established, mm-hmm. seen, yep, can't word is, um, seemed to me slightly random at that point because they talked about them being used as tools, mm-hmm. and then there's a bit underneath that kind of explains well how were they used as tools, and it was like oh they were used for digging for. Um, fighting for whatever else Mm -hmm. and it was like digging is actually part of interacting with the environment and Mm. using the sticks is actually part of peer interaction why is it this it's like a venn diagram that Mm. doesn't it's almost like not all of the circles felt needed it was like you know so maybe that thing about tools and role playing actually once once you get past that level they all fit in another category anyway so it Mm. didn't feel like you needed Mm. that category maybe I, I like the distinction of um the sort of interactions with objects and the distinction they made uh between using an object as is or as if and i thought that mm-hmm. was a nice way of putting it so going back to examples of, of sticks like sometimes you're playing with a stick and it's a stick mm-hmm. but sometimes you're playing with a stick and it is a magic wand or a hosepipe or a dog or whatever yeah. um and I mean, all the. Every, but it struck me that a lot of the stuff talked about in this article is just Bob Hughes's play types, um, mm. isn't it? Um, but I wonder. I can't remember whether they actually said that the kind of as if moments of playing with natural materials increased as the time went on. Do you remember whether they said that? No, uh, I don't remember reading that bit. Um, but it's interesting to kind of distinguish between those two things, and it made me mm. think that I would like to think about that when I'm observing play and try and, and for like different children how much of their play is spent with objects as is and how many how many sort of moments mm. are as if um, well we've talked about that in the past haven't we and we've had some either some people that are able to voice that or um like we've had leaders before who've gone well I've had children in my group who will go this is you know we play we play that game this is not mm-hmm. where you go oh this isn't a stick this is a sword or this isn't. Yeah. and some people who will go yeah, but I work with people. Or oh, for me, they're like, well, it's a leaf. Yeah. It's a leaf. And we're like, no, it's a fancier thing. And they're like, right, but it's a leaf though, isn't it? And we've got... We've and it can people. make people feel highly anxious to start telling them that it's something else. And yeah. they can, even if, you know, they, they get it, they get the whole like imaginative concept of it, but it's going to make yeah. them feel really on edge. Well, uh, yeah, which would make me then feel uh, like you were moving towards like a an uncomfortable level of like progression checking. If you were like, Oh, this person's been, I'm not saying you're suggesting this. No, no, no. If somebody took this the wrong way, you could end up in a place where they went, well, they're doing lots of as is play, but I'm not seeing them do any as if play. So we're going to really, I'm going to, I'm going to duct tape the wizard's hat onto them this week (laughs) so that they really, really. That's exactly what I meant, Lewis. That's exactly what I want to do. And we should be assessing them and giving them points for how much, and I'm going to do enforced imaginative interpretive dance at the beginning of every session where they do interact with the natu- uh, natural environment as dance partners as well. Definitely. Okay, so there's another thing. I learned something reading this article. Pole bridging. 
you heard of pole bridging? No. Neither had I. Uh, so part of interactions with self, they talk about um, uh, the children kind of being by themselves and talking to themselves mm-hmm. and like making noises like an imaginary aeroplane and things like that and uh, and doing pole bridging so I had to google that and um, pole bridging is what you do when you kind of give a running commentary of what you're doing while you're doing it so you might go oh I think I'm gonna uh, I think I'm gonna whittle this stick yeah I'm gonna find a good place to sit down oh, I think I might take all this bark off oh, I'm going to turn it round now so I don't cut my fingers. It's that kind of like running commentary. Yeah, okay. And so apparently it's a language development stage that you'll notice that children start pole bridging. Um, but um, in the article, uh, the thing I read, it said that um, children who have sort of challenges with language might start pole bridging, but it, you'll notice that the language is kind of not quite fully formed while they're pole bridging or it's okay. a little bit kind of muddled and that might be an indication that there's some stuff, a bit of a delay going on that you can kind of help with by modelling pole bridging, but make sure you're not annoying because I've, you can imagine. Yeah. But it's, it's interesting, it's one of those things I think you do instinctively with some groups, don't you think? That you're kind of, uh, you definitely do it. I see you doing it. In terms of, so it's instead of, well, it's, it, yeah, all the time, okay. all the time. So it can be a play invitation. So you might go, oh, I think I'm going to do this thing now. Okay, right. Um, so it's not like, who wants to play yeah, it's, decla- it's that declarative it's thing. Declarative language, well. completely. Um, and it's a way of like, and so if you make, and especially if you, you or I do something where you're, oh, that was, a, that was a bit silly. I did this, we don't say that okay, was silly. Yeah, yeah, do you know yeah. what I mean? You're like, Oh, I'm glad I that that nearly hit my leg. I'm, I'm going to move really my scared. I'm yeah, or thing, I'm yeah. going to move my body now because what yeah. I just did was blah blah blah. Or that questioning thing we've talked about before, where you don't give an answer. You go, if it was a buzzard, I'd be looking for it to have no neck, and I'd be looking for yeah. So you're describing your internal just... thought processes out yes. loud. Yeah. So I've always the language stage. Perhaps. I've always assumed that that was something to do with. Um, do you know this thing about left brain, right brain, and that your mm-hmm. right brain like can't do language, mm-hmm. but it can hear language. Mm-hmm. Which is why sometimes walking around going like keys, 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 keys helps you find your keys because the right side of your brain goes, oh, fuck, is it keys we're looking for, mate? I know where they are. Right. Um, or they've done these weird tests where they split people's brains yeah. in half yeah. and they only show the right eye something uh, like on a screen and it says like, pick up the ball. Mm-hmm. So they pick up the ball and then they ask the person, why did you pick up the ball? But because the left brain does speech, it goes... Uh, I really like this Red Bull. And it doesn't know <laughs> it that the... It makes ru- up a story. It just that was makes a up a storytelling story. thing, wasn't it? That we, yeah. Uh, that we read. Um, which is really interesting. Yeah. And I'd assumed that what we're now saying is pole bridging was to yeah. do with that, was to do well, with... It probably like, is, isn't it? That, that is language development. You yeah. Know. And I've seen as well on the excellent, excellent, highly scientific... Oh, we're talking about scientifically robust things. Secret Life of Five-Year-Olds, oh, yeah, which yeah. is the most scientifically... It's awful, but it is entertaining. Um where they were talking about children regulating through singing. Yeah. And they had a girl who something was going wrong and she was just up in the treehouse on her own going like, I'm feeling sad. My Aww. friends have gone away. Aww. I miss my mommy. Where is my... But quite happily singing, Aww. but kind of regulating through this yeah. like... It's like it's like a weird Disney overload of like, well, this emotion is too big to process. Better do jazz hands. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> and oh it, my god, you could write a whole, you could do a whole research project on interactions of self in the forest, couldn't you? In that kind of way, mm. like what do what do people do? Well, so this then leads on time in the woods. Leads on to um, this second article, which I cannot find. I, it's not in my head the name of it. Um, but it was looking at affordances. Mm. And interestingly, mm. because you said you didn't see it very often, it was looking at affordances in the same place for four to six-year-olds, something, uh, you know, six to seven-year-olds and seven to eight-year-olds. Sorry, is this, is this, this other this article? This is the other you? article. This is this. Shall I quickly find the title of that? Please do. Um, um, just to be super profesh. But what I was going to say was that they added an affordance type. Okay. And they talked about... Um, public versus private yes i started reading that bit so which is similar to it made i almost started talking to you about it earlier because we were talking about um what were we talking about earlier that i said stop talking lewis say this on the podcast no you said if you could save what you're saying and i finished it in my head for for someone who cares um (laughs) 
no, but that's not what made me think of it. What made me think of it was when you arrived, you saw the fairy treehouse, the fairy castle that I have carved into a tree stump. Yes. And you said, it's great. And I think people will play with it. I think they would play with it more. Obviously, it's a tree stump. We can't move it. It's literally in the ground. Um, we said, oh, I th- I'd be interested to see who plays with it because it's quite an exposed place. There's quite a lot of people watching, um, which is so. Then this research article is saying one of the affordances is privacy, public versus privacy, and going how much affordance was there for private space and what happened in the private space and did that change, which made me think about when you were saying about that treehouse, yes. the, the fairy castle going, play is different when it's in private. Yeah. And I imagine pole bridging is different when it's in private. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of what I mean. Like, you could do a whole study, get people to, like, wear little microphones and just pick up on their, just their verbal utterance, their utterances. So do you think the adult version is pop appropriation when you're at, ho- at home on your own? Or not at oh, home, yeah. when you're going like, cooking up the dinner, Yeah, everybody's going to eat some later, <laughs> put in the spoon in there, fuck, I've dropped the spoon in yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. that's yeah, adult pole bridging yeah. somehow. Yeah. <laughs> And when you're like quite stressed out and you're trying, you're thinking of loads of different things, and you're like, no, right, focus on what you're doing. What I'm doing right now is I'm actually doing this. Don't don't do that now. Think that I, I say that yeah, all the time out loud. Yeah. What are you doing that for now? Don't do that now. So my focus on the thing you're doing. My wife calls it the dad tick, where for no, for apparently no reason to her, but I've been obviously ticking away, and I just go right. Oh, I say right all the you time. You slap your legs and you go right, and that's the dad tick of like. I even, do dad things now. I even refer to the right by go. I go right, and then I don't do anything, and I go. I've said right now, so that means something's <laughs> magically going to happen. Yeah, and then okay. So, so what is it? Pole Sorry. bridging. If no, I'm going to go, on, go, go on. on another tangent. Right. Is it pole bridging if I'm re- doing pain management by singing about how I've stubbed my toe? Because I do that a lot. Mm. That's a real common one for like yeah, pain management. Something's happened. Or I'm in a group where you know there's kids about and I can't go fucking bowling. Yes. And so you just go like, I've really hurt my thumb. I was about to say, really? do you turn it into a song? And yes, you do. Because that is absolutely. So why do we do that? That's interesting, isn't it? So it's is that about. It's big feeling, isn't it? The yeah, same as that Is that about releasing endorphins through singing? Because that happens, doesn't it? When you sing, yes. you release endorphins. And maybe regulating so breathing. Oh, yeah. Longer out breath. Calms the vagus system. Yeah. Okay, fuck now we've really <laughs> well let me just see this is all good stuff, man. Right. 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 Getting back to the that other article that you're talking about affordances and public yeah. private space is called Children and the Outdoor Environment. Well, I mean that was worth it, wouldn't it? Yeah. Aren't you uh, glad? Aren't you all glad? Again, it, okay, it's an article in European Early Childhood Research Journal, December twenty ten, and the author is Leila Nicholson from Melardelen University. I've probably pronounced that wrong. And Annette Sandberg from the same university. I'm guessing that's like in Sweden or Denmark or somewhere. I don't know. I should have looked it up beforehand. But anyway. But that's what their Sweden. That, that study was about, was including yeah. privacy oh, I'm gonna read it. in the affordance. So juicy. Um, so delicious. Yeah. I love this shit. Yeah. It is a good one. Um, and again, short. Sure, if you're doing, if you're listening to this and doing your level three, yes, and you've, and you've gone right about some actual forest school research, do do this one because mm. it's real good and it will help you look at your place. Side. And this podcast is just such a great example of like critically analysing these articles as well. I'm going to see someone <laughs> quote like "I've really fucked my thumb." <laughs> Quoted Lewis Ames. No, you were like critically analysing that last one and going, oh, yeah, but I'm not quite sure where they've done the Venn diagrams don't quite match up all that stuff. There you go. This yeah, critical analysis. I am slightly worthwhile. Um, I wanted to say something else. What do you, Did you pick up on the thing about liminal places? Ooh la la. Tell me about liminal places. I love places. it. I love it. Tell me about so, places. So limin, as far as I understand, I've, I've heard this term liminal in terms of... As in subliminal. Same same root word, no. Yeah, it must be, yeah, because lim... Okay, right, I need to Google this. But liminal... <laughs> liminal, okay, stick first of all with the liminal place thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do believe that it means about, like, the edge of a place. And so in the olden days when people believed in, like, this much more in the spiritual world, things like Halloween, mm-hmm. 
it's a liminal time because they're like like dusk veil. would be a liminal time yeah i think so and okay. the veil between the worlds are is thin at okay. those times so spirits can go between them you know right. um and in this context they're talking about liminal places existing in real life but also in the imaginary world mm-hmm. so that play that's happening do you know what i mean so here are the woods mm-hmm. you've got free play you're in a place where there are three trees growing quite close together. That exists in real world. There is the forest floor. There are those three trees in a triangle together. But uh, four children go into that space and through their cooperative and spontaneous free play, those that triangle of three trees becomes a, uh, a small house yeah. full of cats. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's one of the examples in the thing. Not the three trees thing, but the cats, cat family. Mm-hmm. So... And can you remember playing in that way where those two worlds are held in your mind with equal weight? Do you remember that kind of play? Do you remember no, like being there? And, and it's not necessarily that you can visualise it, but the world of the, the house with the cat family is, is, is yeah, as yeah. real to you when you're playing as... But neither of those worlds disappears. You're aware of both those things at the same time. I'm flipping fascinated by that kind of shimizzle. Absolutely. Okay. Like, so um, I had a question for you. If you understand that concept, yeah. which you're looking at me like I do. No, I do. No, sorry. I was off on my own world of thinking like I don't have many play memories, but. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, go on. That's a shame. Maybe they're just buried under some other shit. Yeah, maybe. Maybe we should do an, a podcast where you are like hypnotized back to your childhood. Sure. Let's do it. Um, my questions for you are, I have two, I'm going to say at the same time. Where in our woods are the liminal places? And are we, as practitioners, on a quest to make more liminal places in the woods? Okay. So, immediate gut response yeah. is that there are liminal places, but the border shifts. Mm-hmm. So... Depending on the group, depending on the play, depending on the thing. So, definitely, our big tree house mm-hmm. is a liminal space. Mm-hmm. But when I got to, I was like, there, straight away. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, and it's underneath. Yep. And it's on the steps around it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Sometimes it is. Yeah. And it's slightly further up the hill. Yes. Yes. It is actually sometimes because sometimes the house is connected. There's like a flat area there, isn't there? And sometimes that's connected to the treehouse. So actually the border is along a different path. Okay, so sometimes is it and then does it sometimes grow up the hill? Yes, sometimes it has grown up the hill. And so that's an example where I was like, yes, it always radiates from that treehouse. But yeah, radiating is the word, you know, or maybe pulsing where it's sort of maybe like the tide, like the tide of the play sort of comes out. And then you can almost see the play cycle's end as it like tendrils back in towards the treehouse where it's fewer and fewer people and they're going, well, this is actually our den and this is actually... And now I'm just focused on like tying a knot to this tree yes. in the treehouse as opposed to... And then the tide might come back out again where Not you go that. like, oh, okay, so actually now this is our land and we're building borders here and here and we're going to set a trap. And, and, and it... So... Yes. And then... The other smaller treehouse has is its own liminal place, but then the two are connected by a corridor. Yes. As well, so it yeah. can extend that far. So all of but that I is think, kind of like play territory. But I think so. That corridor is what, hundred meters, mm-hmm. hundred fifty meters. Yeah. You think more? You think less? Uh, maybe a bit more, but yeah. Okay. But I would say, quite often, I see the play. Uh, the, the 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 belief in the play, the, that suspension of disbelief, pause or or you know the volume maybe gets turned down as they move along the path and then it gets turned back up when they arrive at the other place. Mm. Quite often, because there's nothing on that path; it's just a path, mm. right? There's nothing interesting along the way. There, I mean, there's, there is. There's nothing that that can distract you from the play along that path. So quite often, what I see is like, we're gonna go to the other treehouse. Okay. We're all pirates. Yahar! And then there's no mention of being pirates until they get to the other treehouse when it turns back up and they go, we're here! You know, it's almost like 
the journey bit requires more of their attention to not trip, to navigate a narrow yeah. path, to do whatever else. Or in my case, oh, look, there's a feather. Oh, look, there's a feather. Um, a roll. So I don't necessarily, I, I don't think I've ever seen that path stay as a liminal space mm-hmm. completely. I think there is always a, at least a volume lowering along the path. Almost yeah. like a... Um, yeah, I get it. Yeah. So the second bit, is it our job to make more liminal spaces? Um, well, I don't think you can make one. I think you can make an affordance for one. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think part of what... What someone needs to make a space a lim- into a liminal space is different for each group, person, you know, time of day. Someone might go for, you know, right now for my play needs to make this into a space. I need tarps all the way around this house and that's when it will be a house. Mm. Another day, they might actually just go, no, these four buckets on the ground, that's our house. Mm. And neither of them is less house than the other house. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I do know what you mean. In terms of like, oh, should we be making more? I think what you'd end up making is more of that more constructed end tarps, shelters, den houses, whatever else. But it doesn't necessarily reflect that tomorrow then play might need a bigger space or a different day that, you know, it, it doesn't, it's not as flexible, I suppose. Yeah. I guess what I was reflecting on as well was that there are definitely, like you could map out the liminal places on a map i think like we, yeah i agree with you treehouse like digging hole mud kitchen um den hill here around the fire circle this space over here where we often have like hammocks and mm-hmm. nets and stuff and so i'm not saying that the same kind of play always happens there but there's something about those places that whether it's because of the affordances that are there mm-hmm. become these liminal places where they can exist in both worlds at the same time concurrently the play imaginative world and the real world but I want, I'm interested to know like why that is so some of it is obvious like like have, you had to lift a, a criteria like yeah a or like yeah like why has that happened what because the play does there are some places in the woods mm. where play just doesn't happen other stuff happens where it's just firmly in the real world so like bottom right hand corner that like we go there not very often but we as a group and not just you and me i mean yeah yeah yeah. but the stuff that happens there is real world it's like we are digging the pond or like you might hide but it's literally just you are hiding there because there is useful stuff to hide with you're not hiding there like going i'm a squirrel and i've taken my food here you're just Mm -hmm. hiding as part of the game like or you're getting you know a particular type of leaf you know the cherry trees are down there so it's like we're going to that place to look at the tree i've never seen any kind of like role play down yeah there. or any kind of other play that involves it being an imaginative imaginary space or imaginary world but and that's and then i was thinking oh maybe it's because we've built stuff so maybe that is like shouting out this is a place to play like the mud kitchen or the digging hole you could argue that you know, the creation of a hole made mm-hmm. by people is a kind of flag to go there's yeah, affordance here yeah. this is what can be this is not just a hole this is a dwarf mine this is a world war ii bunker or whatever but then there are some places like the den hill where like sometimes there's stuff constructed there like kind of cross beams for making Mm -hmm. dens on but not all the time and and people do gravitate there and play there and it does become a liminal space without us having built anything but is that because we have given it a name is that because we go let's go to the den hill so now it becomes defined as a place, and once it's defined as a place, it can then trans- yeah. transcend, I, shift into often imaginary world. Support the podcast today by becoming a Patreon member at childrenoftheforest.com. Check out the podcast links for more details. Yeah. I, I have often wondered on that on that idea of names i've really liked in the past that our um tree houses in particular have been called like the badger club mm. the squirrel nest yeah. the whatever um especially badger club because badger club there was never a badger club no. this wasn't like a group that existed yeah. we just asked them one day what should we call that and one of the kids said call it badger club yeah 
Um, but but that is a blank slate, whereas Den Hill is for dens. And I wonder if it's like... But so it's not always just for no, dens. No, no, it's not always just for dens, but I wonder if that is halfway to it being liminal. So I wonder if, like, full liminal is, like, abstract name. It's, um, you know, the whatever... Well, like the kindergarten. Like, there's no kindergarten in the kindergarten area now. Yeah. But that is a liminal place where a wide variety of different things yeah. happen. Because it's not a kindergarten. But the den hill is, like, halfway there in that it's got a name, but the name is a slight, slightly bit... Tiny bit restrictive. Um, similarly, so this is so I've been to quite a few schools where I'm sure you have as well, where willow sculptures or willow constructions are very popular, and because of the limitations or benefits of willow, they often end up as spiders, igloos, um, or like a trail, you know, like an archway yeah, like that's like a tunnel, um, and they are like play spaces but it's i've been so the school where i worked where it had a spider was always a spider Mm. the children couldn't no matter how many Mm. you know if you proffered it oh maybe let's go in the igloo they'd be like it's a spider Mm. um so it was almost like their the liminal world in which that was a spider was so concrete Mm. that it couldn't be anything else Mm. so can you have liminal spaces that are flexible Sometimes this is a house, sometimes yeah, it's a Yeah, I think so. I think, the, I think the digging hole is an example of that. Right. So can you, you know, on the other hand, can you have liminal spaces that are fixed, which is where you might get into something like the Wendy house, which is always the house and there's always dolls in it and there's always... Well, that kitchen, for example, the mud kitchen is usually a kitchen, usually a, a cafe, kitchen. a restaurant, the the kitchen of a castle, you know. Yeah. It's very rarely even as far as like an apothecary or, you know, yeah, like a potion mixing place or, um, yeah, I guess because of the real world connotations and the real world objects that are there. But having said that, the longer learners are are near it, the more likely it is that those kind of human-made, very kitcheny artefacts become other things like helmets or, you know, they get taken away and, used in other places as other things don't they as yeah. if things rather than as is mm-hmm. the longer that people are there yeah. or just they it becomes a resource hub when yeah it's like i need some charcoal where's the charcoal oh right there's probably some in there or yes. hey, we need some water to wash down this flag we've made yeah is it now a laundrette no i just know that there's water there yeah i guess what i meant with my second question as well about like is it our are, are we on a quest to make more liminal places. Like, I kind of feel like sometimes we definitely are in terms of, like, developing certain areas or kind of trying to forecast a little bit, like, oh, this type of play could happen here. Like, we can see the affordances that maybe our learners can't see yet. Mm -hmm. And we in some way highlight those, either by constructing a trapeze or by um, sometimes not constructing anything, but going, we're going to play this game as a group, I'm going to profit this game as a group, but we're going to start it over here mm-hmm. instead of where we normally do. Or this is a great place for a treehouse, so we're going to build it here. Do you know what I mean? Like, so we're on that. We often talk about the balance of kind of. Um, oh, my tummy's rumbling. Sorry, you can hear that. It's disgusting. Um, the balance of like building stuff. You don't want to build too much stuff because the the aim is the connection with the natural environment, but mm-hmm. you do want to facilitate a wide facilitate a wide range of play types. And you want to kind of highlight the affordances to those who might not be able to see it immediately. Do you know what I mean? And and facilitate the inventiveness and the freedom. So are we always thinking about the woods and going, oh, what could happen here? Like, what are the affordances here? Mm. And are we thinking about kind of zoning the woods in terms of, oh, this type of play could happen here? And how can we broadcast that to the group? And is there a time, have we now reached a limit where we're like, that's it now. We've got all the liminal places that the woods right now affords. Or would you come back here in five years' time and find that actually there are more places that have been named now? The bottom right-hand corner is called the such-and-such-a-thing, and often this type of play happens here. I don't know that we've reached a... Uh, I was going to say spiritual. I'm going to say spiritual limit. Mm. You know, conceptual limit. Mm. 
But I think there is something which possibly this second study that we're talking about is talking to in terms of it being privacy. Mm. There's something about a liminal space needing to have at least some component of privacy, whether that's, you know, you're up in a treehouse and that feels very private, whether that's your, um, I was thinking as well, right over there, there's that holly tree that some, mm. some children cut away the inside of. So they've got this completely sheltered ball of ivy that they can climb up in uh, oh, ivy it's holly it's about a, you know 30 foot holly tree mm. and they've cut away all the inside so it's just a shell and the zen cafe is at the bottom and the zen cafe is at the bottom um but yeah that idea of privacy and i think you do at some point reach a physical limit whereby you can't have a liminal space next to another liminal space without one of them being out of action because if you're all, you know, if you think about, I've been in schools where you're on like the nature area or like this is the forest school area and everything is so close that like if you're up climbing a tree, you can also see who's down there being a fairy and who's down there doing whittling and who. Do you reckon? Do you reckon it needs privacy? Because I'm just thinking yeah. about some of the, like the most, even the here, most kitchen is not private and loads of no, stuff no, happens there. It's private because half of it is walled off. So you're private from, oh, from one okay. side. When it's here and it's a very open space, but it's hammocks, the hammock is your privacy. So the privacy level might be, and this is where I was thinking about waves, the privacy level might be, we're going to build barriers 20 metres away from the treehouse and this is our liminal space. The, the privacy might be, I'm going to wrap myself up in this hammock and in this cocoon is where my space is. Um, but I can't think of a space where I've seen like you very rarely see that imaginative play on an open school field right in the middle. No, it happens oh, at the, yeah. it happens at the edge, or it yeah, happens or in the around corner, a tree, or around, around a physical feature. Around a yeah. physical feature, there has to be something that Starts makes you it. that makes you feel privacy, or makes you feel. And I think this is a thing. So I'm reading um, primitive mythology, and it's talking about. Um, this is a big concept, but like religions essentially being play and, and, and going like, we're all going to believe this thing. And if you want to believe this thing with us, this is our play. Is a church a liminal space? Mm. Potentially. Oh, definitely. You put this thing up and you go this, it, and mm. in this building. We're in the kingdom of God now. We're in this, we're, you know, we're all, we all agree with this. Mm. I don't want to, it sounds belittling when you talk about religion as play, but like, what I mean is like, we all agree with this way of seeing the world right now and in yeah. this building, there's no, mm. uh, you don't have to justify anything or you don't have to. Um, it's a given. It's a given. Mm. We're in this space. It's a given. We're in the holly tree. So we're all playing this game. We're in the hammocks. So we're all doing this thing. There is an element of privacy, I think, that has to come with a liminal space. I am amazed when, uh, when you see people playing though and they're not in a physically private space mm. but you are in like so say a game is happening but it's on the move like a harry potter game or whatever yeah quick let's go to herbology we're late and the group comes you know through the fire circle and yeah. other people are doing things in the fire circle but we we are invisible we to the people on the way to herbology and the world of, her, of the corridor of the herbology is very real for those people as they move to the next thing and I just find I find that amazing, and that probably that probably is a sign. Maybe I don't know if I'm giving ourselves credit out of turn here, but is a sign that they know that the play is going to be respected and isn't going to be interrupted, and no one's going to point and laugh, and that they feel at ease. Otherwise, it would be completely out of sight and more private. Do you know what? I'd be interested to do a location map of play in playgrounds at breaks and lunchtimes yeah. in schools, and mark where the staff normally stand because there's normally one or two places where the staff go yeah. I stand here and I can see everything yeah. and if I think back to it where does the most imaginative play happen as far yeah, a fucking yeah, way yeah. from them as they can well get. that's in this article isn't it yeah that is in this article and they say uh, so they mark in the sage article yes so they mark uh, and distinguish the interactions with other adults or, um, with adults in this and um and there's a really clear example of adulteration. Mm -hmm. So they say that most of the adults are really like sensitively respond to the free play that the children are doing um, through, for example, just answering a question that a child asks them um, or 
providing resource that a child asks for or whatever um but there's one adult i feel i felt kind of sorry for them like reading the article because they really get hammered but um <laughs> it's like one adult approaches the children while they're playing and says um and says be careful oh be careful there oh it's it's tricky there be careful and says uh so what have you found and the children are like um uh, well we found this and or, we, or we're playing this at the moment or something and the adult it, it completely ignores what they what they say and says again what have you found come on let's go this way and see what we can find and the kids aren't even playing a game about like finding things at that mm. time and the adult is very fixated on um on resources um and uh, yeah that's kind of good example of adulteration i think to read if you're kind of new to the idea yeah, of, yeah. of play work and, and forest school and the impact on that because when you read it you're like oh i completely get it I completely mm. feel how the children feel yeah. um at that point i didn't um i went to see a forest school session and i was writing down things that were happening um and afterwards i was feeding back to the person um and it happened to not be them it was one of their members of staff yeah. And I um, had written down, you know, um, person X, you know, as an adult, yeah. um, went and asked the children what kind of bugs were on the floor. Um, they asked the children how they could find out the names of these bugs and where they thought the bugs would live. Mm-hmm. Full stop. Second sentence. The children had not been looking at, talking mm. about or interested in the bugs in any way before yeah. this adult approached. Yeah. I just left it at yeah, that. Yeah, and yeah. it's like, a, yeah, it's a clear like, oh, okay yeah what you know yeah and it goes back to you know lily's thing on the hand of why am i talking now Mm. it's very useful to remember in that Mm. to stop yourself doing that adulterating yeah yeah it's your need it's not their need it's your need to perceive that they have a need to learn but but maybe it comes from a space of not necessarily understanding the range of affordances so if you have a mindset that like the affordance in the forest school space is bug hunting yeah and then you go the children or finding things and yeah and then you so in your mind you're looking at it and going the children aren't getting the most out of this environment Mm. because they don't know what i know that there's bug hunting available Mm. um and it's just and then so then it becomes like a i was doing the children at uh disservice by not highlighting the affordance to them Mm. but i suppose if you're highlighting an affordance you might go like has anyone seen any bugs or you might go like i'm gonna go do this thing Mm. rather than making um but it's just a very clunky way isn't it of showing someone what the affordances are to go Yeah. yeah And I think it probably verges on like unplayed out material within the adult as well. So the affordances that you as an adult might be fixated on are the things that you needed to do more of when you were a kid and they're still in there in your system somewhere. And you're like, Mm. hey, do this thing with with me, like appreciate this need I have. And for lots of children and lots of learners and actually actually lots of adults, the, the mere fact that someone else points out what you could do in that space makes something flip and you go i'm never doing yeah, that in that absolutely. space I'm absolutely yes. and they go like oh why you know it's the same as like sometimes if you so you might go um oh wh- why don't we why don't we all collect items for a potion and in your head you're going they've been doing harry potter and maybe we do come on guys let's all go and get the harry potter things and because you've said it it's a bit like going like just know that you're not cool mm. all right yeah. and they go like we're actually never ever gonna do potions <laughs> ever again <laughs> Because fuck you. Yeah. Like, yeah. You, you know, so you've got a balance. On the flip side, <laughs> there are definitely yeah. times where at the right time and with the right group, you can completely unobtrusively do a bit of playing by yourself. Oh, yeah, of course. And for some people, they will come up and go, what the heck are you doing? Yeah. You're like, oh, I'm just doing this. Like, oh, my God, can I do that? <laughs> you know, so it does work both ways, I think, oh, yeah. depending on the on the time. And the circumstance. Mm. And I reckon the longer you have a group who are kind of settled in in place and connected to the environment, the more opportunities you might have to do that because you're kind of needed less immediately mm. to help with play, to help with any kind of like emotional stuff going down. That, yeah. that is how, yeah, we've talked about this so many times. Yeah. But. So in this Sage article, yeah. they've got the different types of interaction. And then they break down the type of interaction into different things. So they've got um, like 
interacting with the environment and then I'm doing this off the top of my head. They've got, you know, digging, climbing, sorting, whatever the examples are. That's not the one I want to talk about. The one I want to talk about is interacting with adults. Mm. And then they had a list of verbs like console, you know, comforting, instructing, um, can't remember all the other ones, you know, uh, describing, whatever else. Mm-hmm. And almost every single one of them, I think there's only like seven in there, and five of them in brackets afterwards, it says adult to child. Yeah. Comforting, adult to child. Uh, instructing, adult to child. Um, you know, describing, mm-hmm. adult to child. Yeah. And I found that really interesting reading it and going, oh, so no children instructed the adult in any in any way. And no child... Mm-hmm. Comforted an adult. Now, comforting an adult is a big thing and is a, is a, a weird thing. I wouldn't expect that. But I would expect to see some instruction. I would expect to see some, like, mm. describing some kind of, like... In, I'm in, managing and controlling. You go over there. You do that. Yeah. Because I want to do the thing. Yeah, essentially. Get, going, get the I resource. To, get I the wool. play the thing out. Yeah. And no one, none of my peers are able to do it. Yeah. So you just have to be my puppet right now. You, the adult, have to be my puppet. So yeah. can you be a dog and, I, and I'll take you for a walk? Or, hey, chase me. Hey, mm. do whatever. And so I was interested to see there that interactions with adults, they'd Ooh. only listed adult to child, which either says there, there were no child to adult interactions in that group, or that they're categorizing them in some different way or that the play, you know, that this forest school that they've gone to, um, wasn't wasn't hugely like. It sounds like it is play based or like play worker based. It says they have thirty minutes of free play at the end of every session. Right. So that's the deal. That it's like some acti- These are the activities, and then it's 30, 30 yeah. minutes free play within that session, yeah. and it's seven weeks long. So those kind of interactions that we're talking about that we see all the time might be a time-based thing it might be like you know and especially if it's a new bunch of adults for these children yeah but none i mean yeah that is weird that is they must have yeah there's something missing there because even the first yeah i went to observe a session someone's level three portfolio for them there's a hole in there where there should be something yeah it cannot just be adults do this adults do this adults do yeah, this. it says interactions with adults and the first three bullet points are talking questioning and facilitating and then the rest of them are instructing hunting supporting managing controlling directing physical stance and all of those last ones are adult to child and then proximity um but yeah even when i went to observe a session the other day i'd never met the group before and like three children directed me controlled me and managed me They're like come here i need to show you Come with me on this path. Let's go this way. We're going here because blah, blah, blah. Now you wait there. I'm going to hide. You know, all those kind of things. Yeah. Should be in there. There's something, um, I don't know. There's, there's something afoot. Something amiss. Something's amiss. Yeah. There's some, um, a little interesting bit about like exclusion. Oh yeah. Of others. Which um, I like the fact that that wasn't. You like the excluding. Well, I know. <laughs> it wasn't judgmental the way that they're describing these examples. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, of somebody yeah. being. Oh, and I and I really enjoyed the little um, scripted bits where they yeah. transcribed what the children are saying. You were laughing at one point. I was oh, laughing I because there was one that was like. Um, uh, essentially, it was two children going like, "We are all cats in this house." Yes. yes, and I found a mouse. Yes, and we hate mice because we're cats. Yes, and I've killed it. That's good. I killed it with a hammer. <laughs> <laughs> it's just with a hammer is like yeah. such a, a left, a sharp left yeah. turn. It's oh, very good. I would love to be watching the um, the videos. Yeah, I would love it. I think I think we're done. I think, I think uh, yeah, I think it's a. It. Um, they're two very good articles, and the the Sage one links to a lot more articles, yes. which could be interesting for people to look at. Yeah. Um, but new bit of research, play affordances. We've talked about play types and play mm. spaces before, so it was an an interesting like and like we said, you know, we talked to John and Marina. It's another lens to put on mm. to go. Ah, you've made your play space, but have you done this to the place? Oh, what's actually happening here? Yeah. 
just every time you think, as I said, every time you think you've got it, I know how to design a play space. Yeah, but what if the people don't know how to use the play space? Well, fuck. It's another thing. <laughs> Which is great. You know, keeps you agile. Yeah. Right. Cool. Cool. Bye. Bye. If you like this podcast and want to support more episodes, you can donate through Patreon. Visit patreon.com forward slash children of the forest to show your support for the Forest School podcast.